Hello and welcome to the Medjly's Podcast, Radio for Europe, Radio Liberty's current affairs talk show focusing on Central Asia. I'm Bruce Benier, host of the Medjly's and author of the weekly Central Asia and Focus newsletter. This week we're talking about climate change in Central Asia. It seems every day there's more evidence of climate change around the world. But this summer in Central Asia, there have been many reports that use the words abnormal heat. And that follows last year when there was drought in Central Asia. Just how bad is the problem of climate change in Central Asia and what can we expect moving forward? To discuss all this, I am joined by Rieks Bosch from Dutch Green Business and also a consultant on integrated natural resource governance, climate change adaption, and human resource development for the Asian Development Bank, World Bank, UN Development Program, and other international organizations. And Farouk Yusufi, director of RFIRL's Turkmen service, known locally as Azatli. Thank you both for joining me, and I want to mention to our guests that you are free to add to comments of the other speaker or ask questions. Farouk, I'd like to start with you. Turkmenistan, at the best of times, is a difficult place to make a living. Most of the country is covered by the Garagum Desert. But last year and this year, the situation with heat and lack of water have been especially noticeable. Could you tell us about the situation in Turkmenistan in 2021 and this year? Yeah, as you rightly mentioned, Bruce, it, it never was a good uh, a good place uh, to, to make a living in Turkmenistan. Um, even in, during the Soviet Union, the ecology was not was not good there. Probably one of the worst in uh, in the uh, among the, uh, the the Soviet republics. But especially the last few years was uh, were very harsh. The, according to our uh, correspondence, drought is uh, crippling the agriculture. The the Karakum they have this Karakum channel uh, that uh, crosses the the country uh, from uh, Amudarya in the north all the way down to to Ashgabat, and it uh, it is very shallow as we are told. And uh, frankly, the Amudarya river is also not uh, full as as it used to be. Before, uh, uh, when you invited me to this conversation, I, I spoke with a few of our correspondents to ask them like what they see, what the the problems are. They say they say that there is no no control from the government or any organization, be it local or international, when it comes to uh, the pollution from the uh, industry, from the plants, from different mills, and on top of that. There is other sort of pollution, like landfills. La- landfills. Even these days, when the, the uh, like these uh, past couple of days, the temperature receded a little bit. But uh, a few weeks ago, the temperatures uh, surpassed 55 degrees centigrade. And even during those days, those massive landfills uh, were uh, burning. They they burn. They don't know how to dispose of the the garbage, and they just burn. So. The situation is very, very dire. The farmers over the couple of years and this year too, they are saying that they are not able to fulfill what they call the state quota for cotton and for wheat. So it is very, very grim, uh, grim uh, picture there. Thank you. And, you know, I should mention too that, of course, Turkmenistan is all the way downstream and in the southwestern corner of Central Asia. So it's it is in the as we mentioned the worst situation probably of any country in Central Asia. Reeks, there are studies that show that there are more hot days in in the summer in Central Asia than there now than there were 40 or 50 years ago. Glaciers are melting in the Tian Shan and Pamir Mountains in the eastern part of Central Central Asia, uh, and some studies claim that Central Asia is more prone to the effects of climate change than other parts of the world. What have your observations and your research shown on on this? It's uh, clear that extreme temperatures are going up. 
and they're going up uh, quicker than the uh, average uh, temperatures. But the average temperatures going up one uh, one degree. The extreme maximum temperatures uh, are going up, and they are expected to uh, go up with uh, two three degrees. But at the same time, it's interesting to see that in the climate uh, scenarios, the expectation is uh, that the precipitation will increase. But it doesn't say that it will help, because there is a shift in precipitation to spring. And when there is a rain in summer, it's uh, coming more and more as heavy precipitation. Uh, what is also clear is that besides the climate change, we are now in an, uh, a dip of uh, the climate si uh, weather cycle. Uh, every, uh, let's say, around uh, 12 years, uh, you have an, uh, a weather cycle where temperatures and precipitation are, uh, are changing. And that is uh, that is normal. Uh, it has related uh, to the solar uh, activity, but the uh, the climate change we calculated over a period of uh, 30 years. But oh. the, uh, what is um, drought periods are increasing, especially in in the summer droughts. The warmed periods are are increasing for the southern part. It's the uh, extreme maximum temperatures which are endangering uh, agriculture perhaps even more than the drought uh, duration. Because until 37 degrees, uh, most crops don't have a problem. But after 37 degrees, they go into stress. There is no uh, hardly any research in Central Asia about this, but above 40, uh, slowly you can ca uh, come to a situation of irreversible stress. That means that the growth is uh, stopping and that you will don't get any uh, production uh, anymore. But that is something what needs uh, severely research for Central Asia. I have a question about, you mentioned precipitation, and I've noticed that too over the last few years, and, and, and I'll ask Baruch about this in a minute also, but if I could ask you first, Riggs, um, they do, they've had a lot more flooding, and it always comes, you know, about the middle of spring, the latter part of spring. You know, I, I've even heard some people make the case that, that it's not such a bad thing that there's global warming because it could lead to a third growing season. I'm not sure whether you would agree with that or not, but but can you explain, so you would think in, in principle, if they would have more precipitation in the spring, um, that they would be able to still keep crops growing, but is that the case? And and is extra rain, will extra precipitation compensate for melting glaciers in the mountains? No, what you see is that the precipitation, the snowfall is on lower altitudes. Siberian anticyclone is weakening, and that uh, that causes precipitation on lower lower altitudes. What you also see is that the um, spring or uh, the winter cold stops earlier in uh, in spring. That means also that you get earlier uh, spring rains. The snow melt and the spring rain are uh, joining uh, more and more regular. And that means the, that the chance on flooding is uh, is increasing. Where, for example, on the um, Kizil Su, Yaksu, in the past, the maximum uh, flow in the river was in uh, end of May, June. Now it's in April. That means that the maximum flow in the river, which are uh, rain-fed, it's now... Um, one and a half, two months earlier. And that is, of course, a problem for agriculture. You can't store all the water. You can partly store it in the underground by better 
soil preparation, low tilt. Uh, this means uh, very limited uh, plowing of the soil. Uh, you can infiltrate more water to the underground, but you can't hold everything. And that means that the problems with drought in summer, you can't compensate it with the spring rain. What is also uh, visible is that the, um, in a number of areas, uh, however, the spring starts earlier, that the night frost is taking longer. Lower, lower, longer in the season, you have night frost, and that means in that period you can't see it. Okay, thank you. Peruk, uh, ask the same thing with precipitation. I, I noticed, you know, even Turkmenistan's had these flooding, these floods too. Has the government made any attempt to try to capture some of this water and, and, uh, and hold on to it? You know, you would figure, especially in the desert, and of course they have that big artificial lake way out in the middle of the desert. Have they been successful at... at reclaiming any of this water and being able to use it and also are they still using water for foolish projects like the golf course in Ashgabat and uh, and the fountain system that runs through Ashgabat also yeah the fountains are there i i don't know what the situation about the golf courses at the moment but as the to uh, proper use or effective use of water uh, turkmenistan was never was never perfect you know um, they never learned even during like previous years when everything more or less was normal the precipitation and everything they were not able to effectively manage the water resources as reeks rightly mentioned uh, in recent years the, the weather conditions during the uh, springtime did not allow them to start the sowing uh, process on time that of course becomes a, a problem for uh, crops like cotton and even wheat and especially like over the past couple of years when uh, behavior of the of the nature or behavior of the water resources natural behavior of water resources were not normal they are facing very difficult almost unsolvable uh, situation when there is no no water to to uh, uh, send to, to to the cotton fields or wheat fields. So um, to, to to answer your question, the, no, the Turkmenistan was not able to uh, properly use the water, especially uh, in the given uh, co complicated situation. Okay, and I want to move on to the dust storms because this is a new phenomenon in Central Asia that we haven't seen now. Uh, the one that hit a couple of years ago, it, it, it picked up alkaline soil from the bottom of the, the dried out Aral Sea. Now, the Aral Sea, of course, we know is a man-made disaster. It's from overuse of water. Before it reached the Aral Sea, it, it finally led to the desiccation of the sea. But but the storm that picked it up was something new. And it wasn't that is not the only storm that has hit the region recently. Can you talk about the dust storms that have hit Turkmenistan and actually parts of western Uzbekistan all the way to Tashkent, in fact? It goes all the way to uh, to Dushanbe. In the past, most dust storms they were coming from Afghanistan, but now you get uh, dust storms. They are forming in uh, from two sides: one side from uh, Afghanistan, on the other side uh, from the Aral Sea uh, area. In average, the wind uh, speed is has indication that it's reducing, but at the same time, the uh, extreme winds which are causing the dust storms are also in the west of the Central Asia are uh, are increasing. And it has uh, also to do with the Iranian uh, anticyclone. In the past, it was laying above the, the Gulf and the mountains were protecting Central Asia from the Iranian anticyclone in, in summer. And now it's dumping over uh, the mountains into the Caspian and that is causing additional heat and also longer term uh, drought in, in summer, but also regular 
it's inducing additional uh, winds. And this is this is all um, caused by by climate change, right? That is uh, partly caused by climate change, but because Aral Sea area is more hot, you get also more more wind. And when the, um, the vegetation is only partly covering the soil, there the wind is taking up the soil and blowing it, uh, blowing it up. And when that process is, is rolling, then it's difficult uh, to stop. One of the possibilities is to increase the soil cover. They are um, with uh, support of carbon sequestration, the fixating of uh, carbon. Uh, Saxgul uh, shrubs are planted in uh, in Kazakhstan, and these kind of activities may help to reduce the dust uh, forming. Great, thank you. And I wanted, that's going to be the second part of the show: is what we what we can what can possibly be done to um, to alleviate that. And in fact, that, that's a good a good opportunity for me to pause right here in the middle and recap that um, this is the Medjly's podcast, and today our, our topic is climate change. Uh, I'm Bruce Pinner, the host of Medjly's podcast, and also the author of the weekly Central Asia and Focus newsletter. And I am joined today to talk about climate change by Farouk Yusufi, uh, the director of RFRL's Turkmen Service, known locally as Asad Blik, and Rieks Bosch from Dutch Green Business and also consultant on integrated natural resource governance, climate change adaption, and human resource development for the Asian Development Bank, World Bank, UN Development Program, and other international organizations. Thank you both for being here again. And, and let's follow up on this now. Given the situation in Central Asia, Rieks, what, what steps can they do? Uh, can they take uh, that might help to alleviate the problem? The first thing, and that's not always in the scope, is improving the use of, of the soil. Better soil management with uh, increasing the uh, organic carbon, carbon in the soil, uh, decrease the uh, plowing and uh, other cultivation of the soil, low tilts. Every time you, uh, you plow and you uh, do other cultivation, you lose, uh, lose water. And you lose uh, carbon. Uh, normally, you can say about up to one tenth of percent of carbon uh, you use. And the less carbon in soil, organic matter, humus, uh, the less is the water capacity of the soil, and the less is the root depth. So that is one one of the major uh, recommendations for for agriculture. The second thing is the water availability is an uh, is an issue. Nowhere in the world, what more water is used per hectare than in uh, Central Asia, where in the other parts of the world, the netto uh, profit from water is uh, somewhere around $1 up to $2. In Central Asia, you speak about, let's say, from 20 cents till uh, 40, perhaps some areas, 50 cents per cubic meter of irrigation water. And that means that a lot of improvements are possible, and the less you irrigate the the topsoil, the less salt from the underground is coming up, and the less you have to to drain the salt away from the from the soil. Okay, great, thank you, um, Farouk. Now, I know that you're not uh, an expert in farming in, in Turkmenistan or anything like that, but has the Turkmen government, to the best of your knowledge, reached out to any organizations to try to get some advice on what they can do? To, to help themselves is this you know again this is one of the areas that's most susceptible to the effects of climate change have they done anything with international groups to try to improve their situation well, yeah well, from the official the official media I mean, you can read that there is some sort of an interaction with the international organizations like uh, uh, un and uh, others 
But um, though from those news, uh, I mean, you, you cannot get information what what concretely is being done, because they are all about like uh, I mean, you know, the official news. They are all about uh, praising the government, praising the president for uh, his wise policies, and that everything is wonderful in agriculture. And I know that also the USAID and other development organizations are providing some sort of assistance in water management and soil uh, improvement but th- that help is very limited and as far as i can tell i'm sitting from prague uh, th- those projects are not very sustainable i mean they work for a few months at best and then because there is no expertise and there is no tr- uh, training or maybe a will to uh, to be trained those projects do not get like long term sustainability uh, like i remember like a couple of years ago the usaid provided quite an expensive uh, equipment uh, in mare province to uh, clean the water ducts and uh, to uh, preserve the, the water for agriculture purposes but as far as i can tell now that project i mean that equipment hasn't been used in any sensible way there are also good examples for example with uh, livestock management in the half desert uh, where um, old uh, wells were opened again and where they were stimulated to uh, to do rota- rotational grazing to stimulate the growth overgrazing is bad but it's overgrazing is a matter of proper uh, grazing when you do proper uh, proper grazing rotational you give the the vegetation chance uh, to rest then you can double the productivity of uh, of the land there are projects from uh, UNDP where they have been focusing on um, on herders herder groups which uh, didn't see any chance anymore to proceed and in this way they by increasing the access to water and increasing the quality of the pasture management of rangeland management uh, they can keep to uh, keep their way of living so there are also good examples but it's not always the state which is responsible for climate adaptation adaptation is something on local and on regional level from the governments they um, are not ad- adapting but they should uh, support the adaptation at regional and local level that can be done by technical support financial uh, support by legislation for example rights access to to financing but also by uh, improved monitoring and a lot of other measures which can be taken Oh yeah, what I uh, want to say is to stimulate the uh, knowledge uh, creation and the knowledge transfer. That is a big, uh, a big cap. Uh, the national um, knowledge or international knowledge and the uh, access from uh, local uh, stakeholders uh, to this information. CAREC is uh, setting up climate information platform where a lot of this information also in Russian can be uh, can be accessed. Also with CARIC, I did a climate risk and vulnerability assessment for all the Central Asian countries. And we did also an advice on what can be done on national and uh, regional and local level on climate adaptation. The thing is that that information should be brought to the, the local stakeholders. 
and there is still uh, quite a cap. Development partners are doing a lot. That is on project uh, base. The challenge will be now to develop that to a structural base. Okay, thank you. You know, this brings me to my next question, actually, that I wanted to ask you, Reeks, is that you work with a number of different organizations. You're a recognized specialist in, in this. Uh, who, which countries in Central Asia do you find are most interested in, in, in reaching out to international organizations to help out with, to alleviate the effects of climate change? Are some more, more anxious to, to call up the ADB or, or EBRD or World Bank or somebody to get, to get advice or help than others? There's not too much uh, difference. What is a new development is that the ministries of foreign affairs, they are now approaching a common strategy for climate change adaptation for Central Asia. They have asked uh, GIZ to guide that, uh, that process. And uh, I'm uh, one of the persons involved in, the, in that process to develop an, uh, a common strategy. So the interest for all uh, five countries is uh, very high. And it's more and more recognized. You can see that in the climate adaptation strategies and national action plans. You see it in the um, national determined contributions for climate uh, change in the national communications that the interest is uh, has been increasing strongly over the last i'm now working for 12 years intensive in central asia and that has been changed uh, a lot the thing is now from a national uh, strategies to transfer to a national uh, and local uh, process uh, you know, let me ask you one more question then. Um, you know, it, it, uh, as is true with so many aspects of Central Asia, the rapid increase in population out there plays a huge role in all these things too. It puts pressure on, on the land, it puts pressure on the water, uh, you know, electrical use, for instance, or pollution, things like that, that, that they're all, you know, the results of humans and, and also the fact that, that we have a population that is now, I believe, about 77 million in Central Asia, it was 50 million when they became roughly when it became independent in 1991. So we're going to hit the 100 million mark uh, probably sometime in the middle of the next decade or toward the end of the next decade. How much how much of an extra challenge does that put or how much extra pressure does that put on the challenges of climate change when you have a rapidly increasing population as Central Asia does? Of course, uh, more uh, more mouths means uh, more food and it will be a big challenge especially seeing the, the climate change, to produce an additional uh, 30% of, uh, of food. In general, the productivity is not so high in, uh, in Central Asia, agricultural productivity. The water is used in uh, inefficient. That means that there are good uh, chances to improve that, to make more food out of, uh, out of water and to make more uh, food from, uh, from land. Of course, the heat is, an, uh, is a big issue. Uh, that means that alternative cultivations like more vegetable grow under, under cover, drip irrigation, uh, should improve the, and the productivity and it should um, improve the, uh, the water efficiency. So chances are there, but they have to be uh, worked out. You said that the donors are approached and the international financial institutions, but in the regular in the world is that more than 50% uh, of the financing for climate adaptation has to come from the private sector. I have been uh, at talks in the past with national associations of, uh, of banks, and there is uh, interest 
in the longer term stability in uh, supplying uh, credits. And climate change could be a good uh, basis and climate change adaptation, a good investment. Also because that the um, all the projects which I known of on climate change adaptation, every dollar you invest, you earn it back by uh, three, four, and up to ten dollars uh, by prevention of losses, by additional uh, labor, by a more st- st- stable uh, production. So good chances uh, are there. And since I have the the director of the Turkmen service here, Reeks, could you speak about any of the uh, specific work that that any of your organizations have done in Turkmenistan to help out the government? The government is not very forthcoming with information for its population. So anything you can tell us about uh, help that international organizations are giving to Turkmenistan to alleviate the effects of climate change would be most welcome. I know uh, the the best work from uh, GIZ and from um, the UNDP. They're working uh, one side with government, other sides uh, working on the on the ground. I know that water efficiency and the reuse of uh, water, of uh, salty drainage water, is a key uh, policy item of the Turkmen government. By uh, not mixing the clean water with the salty drainage water, but separating them and uh, and then to reuse it uh, for other uh, other aims. Is, an, uh, is a top priority. Uh, also, there's more and more attention for uh, for drip irrigation, but drip irrigation, some people say from that's the holy grail that helps to solve uh, everything. You can reduce the water uh, use by uh, 70% and more, uh, but it's not suitable for uh, every crop. So for every crop and every situation, you need adapted techniques and adapted uh, approaches. Okay, thank you. Uh, and I just want to get one more reminder for our audience. We're coming close to the end of the show. Um, Farouk, I wanted to bring you in um, again. There was This year was the first time, I think, where they actually had severe, uh, really strict water rationing in, in Ashgabat. Uh, is this true? Uh, it was not It was not the water rationing. I mean, they have a water rationing. They, ha- they, they have had a water rationing for a few years. But this year, there were water uh, disruptions in water supply. That was due to uh, crumbling infrastructure. Uh, like for days, uh, like there were several several cases, especially during those, those hot days when Ashgabat was left, large parts of Ashgabat were left with uh, no water for uh, more than a day. Like there were several cases of that and the recent one happened uh, last wednesday when for the whole day several districts of ashgabat residential distri- districts in ashgabat were had no water and that's becoming more and more regular it's not because of the heat but it's it's coinciding with the heat uh, because of the failing uh, failing inst- infrastructure and the same is happening across the country, even in the regions, the people who already did not have proper uh, water supply, they were get, getting less and less uh, possibility for uh, the, the drinking water, yes. And yeah, that's uh, becoming uh, a very big problem, especially uh, during hot summer days. It's not only on hot summer days, but it's a general in Central Asia. It's estimated that uh, 48% of the water is uh, getting lost from the drinking water supply. And it has to do with the way in the Soviet time 
drinking water network was uh, built up uh, mainly out of steel uh, tubes and they have a limited uh, lifetime. Uh, Thanks to all these leakages, the trees in the cities are, uh, are surviving. So when you stop all the leakages, then measures should be taken to water the, the trees, but that will be more efficient than leaving the leakages in, uh, in place. And, and uh, Riggs probably knows it better, but uh, as far as I remember, Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan were two of, of the worst uh, water wasters in the world. Isn't it correct? Uh, when you look at uh, drinking water, I can't uh, say that. But when you look at irrigation, then uh, Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan have the highest uh, water consumption per hectare. And there are a lot of uh, efforts ongoing to reduce that. But they are still in the top of top in the water uh, irrigation water use. And as a result, the least is uh, left for the uh, for the RLC. We're coming to the end. Riggs, I have one more question for you, but but then I, I encourage either one of you, if you have any other comments you want to make after this question, uh, please feel free to make them. But Riggs, some people, uh, you know, I mentioned at the start, some people say that Central Asia is worse affected than than uh, most other parts of the world by climate change. It's in one of the worst situations at all. People are predicting a five degree increase in temperature by the end of this century. Is it true that Central Asia is one of the most affected regions by climate change and are, are things that bad and and out there at the moment is the outlook that bad for the future in central asia uh, when you look at europe then central asia is has a high uh, vulnerability but you compare it with for example bangladesh and the pacific islands then it's uh, it's not so high when you look at the uh, after the paris agreement for climate change systematically they have been um, assessing uh, the vulnerability for the different countries but also the readiness and when you look at the uh, the vulnerability then central asian countries are all at the mid uh, mid level but when you look at the readiness to answer to the, the climate change, then except for Kazakhstan is just above the average, for the rest, all the four countries are quite low with their readiness. There's a change ongoing, but still a long way, uh, long way to go. Great, thank you. Okay, and uh, uh, Riggs or Farouk, any, either one of you have any comments you want to make or questions you want to ask before the end of the program? Yeah, I, I wanted to ask Riggs. I mean, uh, Riggs, you said that the, the readiness is uh, low uh, on the part of the four uh, uh, Central Asian countries, including Turkmenistan. And what uh, can be done uh, to improve that readiness, to increase that readiness, given the, I mean, given the reality or given the ability of of uh, of the Turkmen government, at least the part of the Turkmen government who could uh, do something about changing the situation? The, the change uh, should come in on local and regional level. But what you see is that is no, uh, there are, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan have a climate change adaptation strategy, but all the countries, they struggle with the fact that there is no harmonized approach uh, where national level is supporting regional level and uh, local level or where regional level, district level is supporting uh, local uh, local level and private uh, initiatives. These uh, vertical uh, cooperation uh, needs um, severely to be uh, to be strengthened. Like uh, when I was in Tajikistan, they said to me from yeah, uh, government is only uh, asking information and then they make a decision and they send it to us. 
that was a typical example from that national policies and uh, the regional and local involvement uh, needs to be strengthened to be effective in climate change adaptation. And only in by including the private uh, financing from private business, from um, local stakeholders, and combine them with the national uh, possibilities and international support, then the climate change adaptation will be uh, effective. By the way, the, one of the most effective ways in investments in climate change adaptation is improved uh, information on, uh, on weather, on climate, and on successful adaptation, which are stimulating others to, uh, to replicate. CARG mm. is doing an, uh, a lot of efforts to make the information accessible, but to make it accessible and to, to bring it to the floor, there are uh, big steps uh, are still needed. But the common, uh, let's say, knowledge bank development is a very positive step forwards. I just want, also wanted to mention that um, if you remember last year, there was this uh, big report in Bloomberg about the methane em emissions. And after that, uh, um, the current president, who was at the time the uh, deputy prime minister, he rushed to participate in the Glasgow meeting and said like his country was uh, ready to take on the uh, I mean, this pro uh, this problem and solve this problem and even after that I mean, the methane emissions um, Turkmenistan remained according to the media um, uh, organizations who follow this issue uh, remained one of the worst methane emitters uh, in in the world. Yeah, the the interesting thing is that with the new uh, satellites, especially the European uh, satellites under the Copernicus program, we can now measure quite low concentrations, and it uh, shows up that methane levels, which is a uh, hundred times uh, stronger um, climate gas as uh, CO2, which is the most discussed, it's leaking much more than uh, what we expected. There is also came uh, to Manistan with the gas production out that uh, there is more leakage, uh, much more leakage than expected. The Australia uh, is now based on this information forced to um, recalculate their climate uh, footprint. And that's, it's good that these techniques now are available uh, to, uh, to understand where are the issues and where you can invest uh, the best. Um, in general, I can't say what is the relation between climate change and with, with pollution. Uh, what is uh, very clear is the relation between land degradation and uh, climate change. You can uh, easily say that climate uh, land degradation is increasing the impact of, of climate change easily with a factor of three to five times. I did uh, pilot studies in uh, a number of areas in Central Asia. Every time this kind of numbers are coming up. Land degradation is uh, increasing the chance on mud flows. It's uh, less water goes into the uh, into underground, uh, more water is evaporating, less water for the for the rivers, and uh, less uh, more chance for landslides when it's combined with, with heavy rain. So a lot of interaction between uh, disaster risks of, uh, let's say, hazard risk, which can then turn into an, uh, a disaster caused by, of induced by uh, land degradation and further stimulated by, uh, by climate change. Okay, well, thank you both very much. And I'm, I'm sorry we're 
at the end of our program. We don't want to run too long, but I appreciate comments and, and insights from, from both of you. We had today's guests were Rik Spash and Farouk Yusufi. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I appreciate your, your being on the show today. Uh, a big thank you to my producer, Nathan Schumacher, uh, who's in Washington, D.C. Uh, and a reminder that you can subscribe to the Middle East Podcast or Central Asia and Focus newsletter by visiting RFERL's website at rfrl.org. Thank you very much, and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye.